Can you thank the Lord for your church? Hey, it's such a treat to be back here and be with you. We love coming every single time that we have the opportunity to do so. I'm glad that I have with me. Most of you guys know I've got six kids, five girls and one boy. Uh, for those that you that you didn't know that, well, there you go. I do. Six kids. And uh, I have just about every time I come, one of them with me today, I have my oldest daughter. And today is her 21st birthday. So, Candace, if you could wave at everybody or stand. But... That's my baby girl right there. She leads the pack. Uh, but it is so great to be here. We love this church. We love Pastor Brian and Haley. So glad that they're away for a much-deserved, well-earned, just time apart. They're some of the hardest-working leaders that I know and uh, so faithful to God's church and pastor so well. I know some of you may be your guest, your first time here today. Maybe you've even heard about Pastor Brian's preaching and uh, you've heard stories because the man can flat out preach. I mean, he's just, he's a great preacher. And so maybe you're like, okay, well, fine. I'll go to that church because I want to hear Pastor Brian. <laughs> Bummer. He's not here today. So, so you got to come back next week. But I would say if you are looking for a home church, this is a great one. Can we honor the leadership here one more time and just thank God for your church. It's a great, great church. And I want you to know, especially if you are newer to faith, uh, or maybe you're just kind of kicking the tires of Christianity and going, what's this all about? And you're kind of just exploring the claims of Christ. Uh, I want you to know that the God that we're talking about, the God that we've been singing to and worshiping together so far this morning, the God whose word that we're going to look at and learn from today, I want you to know he's real, that he's alive, that he's powerful, that he's at work. Come on, if there's anybody in here today who would say, without a doubt, I would say it with certainty in my life, I've seen the miracle working power of God. Come on, just wave your hand right now. Come on, wave it. Look all around the room. Would you what? A testimony. So we're raising our hands and we're saying, yes, God is alive. He does miracles and he works. And so we celebrate that. And that is a wonderful thing. And and yet, for those of you that are newer and checking it out, I want you to know this as well, is that God's ways are higher than our ways. We don't always understand it. We, don't all, we can't always figure out exactly what God is up to. I don't know about you, but for those of you that are worshipers of Jesus and, and, and you come in, maybe even today as you're worshiping, I found myself at times, like as I'm worshiping God, saying things, and as I'm thinking about it, I'm going, do I really believe that? Have you ever done that before? Did I just get too real too fast? Did that, I think that was a sharp pivot right there. I, I may should have warmed you up for that one. But come on, have you ever been there before? Can we keep it real today? Can we keep it real today? How many of you guys know God's okay with that? He's not intimidated by our questions. He's not intimidated by our, our uncertainty. There are times that I'm worshiping God, and I'm like, God, sing whatever the song it is. I can't think of one right now, but you know how you're doing it. <laughs> you're never late, Lord. And he's like, well, except for that one time, Lord, where were you? <laughs> you ever done that before? God, you always make a way. Of course, in this one, you apparently are not. Because I've been praying. Have you ever done that while worshiping? Or you just sing it? Like there are times I'm worshiping and I have maybe what you could call a collision of my faith and my reality. And the reason I want to talk about that just for a few minutes today is that God is not bothered by that. Uh, and I do want you to know that whenever there seems to be a breakdown, I can promise you always, somebody say always, it's not on God's side of things, it's on my side of things. Yet, he doesn't want me just to say, oh, well, he wants me to lean in 
He wants me to discover some things about him, and, and maybe that's even where you would find yourself today. I know that God answers prayer. I know that God does miracles. We just all raised our hands. I would like to see now a show of hands of how many of you would say that you've ever walked through something, that you've prayed about something, you've asked God to do something, and for whatever reason, God didn't answer when or how you wanted him to. Come on, raise your hand. Oh, now look what we're talking about. We just went from he's awesome, he's powerful to what he didn't do at that time. At least in the way that we expected, the way that we wanted, the way that we thought we preferred. But what do you do in times like that? I know for me, when I'm confused, I've wondered why. Maybe you have too. Why did you pray for that loved one to be healed? Only for them to still pass away. Why do you still struggle with anxiety or depression? Even though you're begging for God to deliver you? Why didn't you get the job that you prayed for, you applied for? Why can't you find that mate and, and get married and start a family? You're praying that you'd be able to have a child, but you haven't been able to? Scripture actually speaks to why at times when we're praying, there seems to be no answer. One of the things that says in James, it says that you have not because you ask not. One of the reasons we don't see miracles or answers to prayers is because we don't pray. It also says in James, and sometimes you don't receive because when you pray, you have doubt. So we're going through the motions of a spiritual routine, but we're not truly expecting and believing for God to actually do something. Sometimes it's because Scripture tells us there's sin in our heart and that sin is separating us from God and, and God's more concerned with us dealing with that sin than just having all these requests. And so we're not seeing a breakthrough of the miracle because we're harboring sin in our heart. So Scripture talks about but this, this message for today. I don't want to address those things. I want to assume that you're praying, that you're asking, that you're believing, and you've dealt with sin in your life by giving it to the Lord and asking His forgiveness. But as you're praying, you're still not seeing your breakthrough, your miracle. And the answer I'm going to give today is probably, at least in my opinion, the most common reason why. Not only the most common reason, but the most complicated reason why. This is one that, as we're going to look at this text, is, is highly debated. Uh, there are Bible scholars that would have different views and interpretations or understanding. And so to help make it plain today, I, I could show a diagram of like the Temple Mount or the Holy of Holies. And, and we could look at the different pieces of, of furnishings inside of it. Or I could show you a graph or a picture and, and we, could, we could diagram or break down the, the word prayer or, or miracle. We could look at it in the Greek and, and that may help. But I want to show you a picture that I think is going to help you so much today. It's going to be a game changer for you. This is going to give you insight and understanding. Check this picture out right here. Here, Oh, yes. There it is. Anybody ever been to Andy's Frozen Custard before? Come on, testify right now. Anybody ever been there? Oh, Andy's Frozen Custard. If you've never been, let me help you. It was worth coming to church today just for this insight. you got to go to Andy's. Get you a frozen custard. My favorite is the Heath Bar Concrete. My, my. Oh, 
I love the Heath Bar Concrete. Anytime I pull up to Andy's, and we don't go very often as a family. You got to watch the budget. You got to watch the calories. But oh, we love going to Andy's. And anytime we go, special occasions. You know, birthdays. That's why I have a lot of kids. Lots of birthdays. Lot of celebrations. We Christmas time. Let's have us an Andy's. Uh, holidays. Let's uh, uh, Groundhog Day. Let's have us an Andy's. Columbus celebrate. Let's go get an Andy's. So Candace turned 21. How did we start it off? We went to Andy's. But it's a big treat. When I go, this is a show enough, show enough. Like, you don't play around at Andy's. Like, I, I don't even have to look at the menu, though. Heath Bar Concrete, thank you very much. I don't have to wonder. You can put up all the promotional signs that you want. Seasonal, limited. You can save it. Heath Bar Concrete. When I go to order, I don't stutter. I don't stammer. I don't have questions for the people. Heath Bar Concrete. I pulled in not too long ago. I got up there and I ordered my Heath Bar concrete and I paid for it and they gave it to me. As I was pulling out, come on, you know it's good when you can't even wait to get out of the parking lot before you take a bite. I loaded up that spoon. It was about to break under that just weight of deliciousness there. I put it in my mouth. As soon as I put it in my mouth, I knew something was off. Like what in the world? And I pulled it back and looked at it. They gave me the wrong order. I was like, what in the world? I flipped that car around. I got right back in line. I said, oh, no, you don't. Not today, Satan. I mean, I was just like, this is not going to work. And uh, some of y'all, I, I can tell, you're like, come on, bro. You're a pastor, man. Hey, listen, some things you just don't mess around with, Right? Like, I'm going to be nice, I'm going to be kind, but we have got to take care of this situation that we have on our hands. So I got back in line, and um, while I was in line, I'm still just kind of, you know, just that last bite. That so I'm in line, and so I, you know they're going to throw it away. So I went ahead, and I had another little bite. You know you've done that. You know you've done it before. I'm not as bad as some of y'all, though. Y'all order a cheeseburger, eat the whole thing except for the last bite, and walk up to the counter saying things like, um, this was supposed to have pickles. Can I have it? No, I'm not that bad. Some of y'all are bad. Some of y'all eat the whole thing and go, you forgot to catch up. Some of y'all are bad. But I just thought, they're going to throw it away. I had another little bite, sitting there waiting in line. Mm. Had a little bite. And listen, I just want to tell you, I had a revelation That became my new all-time favorite Andy's frozen custard. I was like, oh, my word, this is so good. I just pulled right out of that line and just ate it all the way home. Like, that is my new favorite. And I had a friend who said, well, what was I said, I don't know. I didn't order it. I didn't know what to say. I had to deconstruct my Andy's. Like, what was in there? What am I tasting? So I don't know how you're supposed to order it, but in case you ever want to, like, I wonder what he got. Here's all you have to do. You go up there and you order you a, a snow monster concrete. Switch out the strawberries for cherries. Leave the chocolate chips in there, but add caramel. Should we take a praise break right now and just hand to Andy's? I'm just feeling the Lord moving. I can't wait. <laughs> Now, the reason I tell you that story today is because it provides context for my title. If you want a title for the message, here's what it is. Not 
what I thought I wanted. It was not what I thought I wanted. When you're not seeing your miracle, it can be hard. When you're hearing the stories and the testimonies of how God's helping other people or you're singing songs about the goodness of God, but you're still living with your pain, waking up with your same trial or darkness or problem every single day, it can be very, very difficult. And if we're not careful, we can be tempted to think that God does not answer prayer or at least he doesn't answer mine. Maybe I'm not spiritual enough. Maybe God is mad at me because of my past sins. Maybe I'm not doing it right. But before you lose hope today, I want to encourage you with a passage of Scripture that I really do believe will help you if you'll just open your heart to it today. Especially for those of you that are going through a difficult or dark time. But I believe it's a word for all of us. We're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10. This is a real insightful window into the life of Paul, the Apostle Paul. Come on, if you've been around Christianity for a while or been reading your Bible very often, you know that, that Paul was like a great spiritual hero, like he was a spiritual giant. He was... He was a man of God. We, we might say here in Texas that he was the original Chuck Norris. Come on, have me know what I'm talking about when I say that. Like Paul was Chuck Norris before Chuck Norris was Chuck Norris. And so when we're talking about who he is or what he's done, I mean, he, he would be at Chuck Norris at the end of every episode. He's going to come out on top, right? He'll whip all 80 of you. Like the Apostle Paul, he just seemed to land on his feet. And yet when we describe him or talk about some of the high points of his life and ministry, these are not exaggerated or made up. Nonetheless, listen to a little bit of his journey. In Acts chapter 14, he was out preaching about Jesus Christ, and there were people who opposed him, people who were against Jesus. And so they started uh, throwing rocks at him. They stoned him, and, and so much so to where he was bruised and, and, and bloodied, and, and they took his lifeless body and dragged it out of the city, out, outside the outskirts of the area, and the scripture says that they left him there because they considered him dead. They assumed that he was dead. The next verse says that Paul got up and dusted himself off and went back into the city. Chuck Norris never did that. Paul was a preacher of the word. In Acts chapter 16, it says that because of his love for God and his service uh, to the king and, and preaching Jesus, that he was arrested, he was beaten, he was flogged, placed inside a jail cell. And it says about midnight, he was worshiping and praising God. Why? Because his song up to the Lord was bigger than his pain. He was a spiritual giant. In Acts chapter 27, it says that he experienced a shipwreck. In Acts chapter 28, when he was washed up onto the shore, it was was cold, and so he went to start a fire, and it says when he reached in for the sticks into a bundle of sticks, it says that a snake fastened itself upon him. This poisonous, venomous viper snake bit Paul. You know what it says that he did? Some of you read the Bible, you, you, you know this story. It says that Paul shook it off. This was way before Taylor Swift had any idea. Paul just shook it off. 
Why? Because he was a man of God. He was a spiritual giant. He is a part of miracles. He lived a supernatural life. But when you come to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we see that Paul has a problem. And he calls it his thorn in the flesh. We don't know exactly what it was. Most scholars would consider it to have been some type of physical ailment. All we know for sure is that it was something that caused Paul extreme pain, severe distress, and we do know he desperately wanted it gone. Look at what it says in his words as he's writing a letter to a church in Corinth, and he's talking about his thorn in the flesh, his problem. He says in verse 8, three times, three different times, I, look at that word, beg the Lord to take it away. Have you ever been praying about something that was so difficult and so heavy that you slipped out of prayer and into begging before? I have. Facing something that was so overwhelming, carrying a burden that was so heavy, and calling out to God, not in a nice little sweet church prayer, but a cry of desperation, please God, I'm begging you, Lord, I can't do this, I can't take this, I can't handle this. Have you ever been there before? Paul was. I know he was a man of God. I know God used him greatly. I know he loved God deeply. I know he served the Lord faithfully. But he had something that he said, God, I'm begging you, would you please take this away? He was pleading with the Lord, such desperation. He knew that God was powerful. He would have raised his hand with us and said, yes, I've seen God do miracles. But as he's calling out to God for help, look at how God answered in verse 9. Paul writes, and each time God answered by saying, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So he calls out to God, pleading for help, and God answers by saying, really what you need It's just my grace, and I'm going to give that to you. Um, God answered. It's just not what Paul thought he wanted. The other night at our dinner table, my wife was telling a story, and she made some statement like, and it was something I was praying to God for, and, and God just didn't answer. And my little nine-year-old boy piped in and said, oh, he answered. He just told you no. I thought, say that, theologian, nine-year-old preacher. Say it. That's what happened. God always hears. Sometimes he heals. Sometimes he helps. But he always answers. And in this case, Paul is looking at it, and I'm thinking, Paul, he told you no. How is Paul going to handle that? But what we know from his story 
is that Paul was learning something through this that became more valuable than the healing that he thought he wanted. Verse 9, Paul says, So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses. He's acknowledging not only that God didn't take it away, but it's something that he's embraced. He's somehow finding some beauty in the ashes or or a sweetness in the midst of the pain. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses. Why? So that the power of Christ can work through me. Do you see the shift that Paul just makes? God, I'm begging you, please take this away. God says, My grace is what you really need. And my power, the power of God that is real, it's so real. It actually works best in your brokenness. And as you're going through, you're going to discover me. You're going to discover my presence. You're going to discover my strength. You're going to experience my power in a way that you never would have otherwise. What you think you need versus what you really need are two different things. And as you look to me, you'll find that my grace is sufficient. And then in verse 9, Paul says, so now I'm glad to boast about my weakness. And then look at what he says in verse 10. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, in the hardships, in the persecutions, and in the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, look at this, when I am weak, Paul says, then I am strong. I'm like, wow, Paul, that is so awesome. For you. Because Scotty says, when I am weak, then I am weak. Anybody else can say amen to that? Like, I just feel like, and when I am scared, I am so very scared. When I am confused, I'm deeply confused. That's just me. And I think that Paul started there. He just didn't stop there. There was something happening in Paul's life that I want to learn from, that I want to get into my spirit. That He said, when I'm weak, then I discovered, oh, instead of God taking this away, as I look to him, as I put my hope in him, what happens is God's strength starts working in me, and I find that when I'm weak, that's when I'm actually really strong. I'm like, wow, I want that. In my own life, maybe upon first bite, you're not so convinced. The initial disappointment and frustration over not getting what you might have wanted, it might take a minute, but I know in my own life, as I've learned to step back, zoom out, and stop focusing on what I thought I wanted, but instead lifting my eyes to God and saying, God, I need you. God, please help me. Just like Paul, I'm discovering more and more that God's power is bigger than my pain, and what he has for me is actually better than what I thought that I wanted. Sometimes you don't receive a miracle because you don't ask. Sometimes you don't receive your miracle because you don't ask in faith. Sometimes you don't receive a miracle because there's sin in your heart. And sometimes it's none of these things. It's that God says, I know what you think you need right now. But I know what you really need right now. Even in the midst of your pain and brokenness, I'm going to give you something that upon further review, you'll go, ooh, thank you, God. 
this is not what I thought I wanted. What do you do, though, in that process between the initial taste and you go, this is not what I wanted. And you're waiting for that satisfaction of the story and the testimony of, oh, God, you knew what I needed. Let me give you three quick things to wrap up today. What do you do in the in the waiting so that you don't feel defeated and lose hope? Number one, trust him. Trust him. Two little words that are easier said than done. Trust him. But it's like the old preacher said, you can trust him even when you can't trace him. He's too good to not believe. We wave our hands on the stories of God has been with me. God has helped me. So you can trust him. He's never failed you before. And he won't start now. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Somebody say all of it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Look at this next part. And lean not on your own understanding. But in all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. As you study scripture, you'll see that God never said, when you come to me, when you love me, when you serve me, when you worship me, I'm going to take every rock out of your path. I'm going to take every obstacle out of your path. I'm going to make it so smooth, so simple, so easy. He never said that. So for those of us that are coming to faith in Jesus Christ and we're experiencing miracles, don't act shocked. Don't act surprised when you face adversity, when you go through difficulty. He said, in this world, you will have difficult times, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. How many of you are looking forward to heaven? Come on, who's with me? Who's looking forward to heaven? I can't wait, but until I'm there, I'm still here. While I'm here, there will be sickness, pain, heartache, heartbreak, difficult times. He's just saying, I am to trust in him and not lean on my own understanding. There are so many times in my life I looked at it and felt like I have it figured out. If God would just, if he would only, Lord, if you would. And then I look back over my shoulder and I'm like, God, you are so smart. Thank you so much. This is not what I thought that I wanted. Trust him. Don't go by what you see. Keep walking, trusting, praying, and believing. His power is at work even when we're weak. His power is greater than our pain. Don't run from him. Press into him even when it hurts, even when it don't, doesn't make sense. Trust him. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6, 7, and 8. So we are always, somebody say always, we're always of good courage. We know that while we're at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. We're not in heaven yet. We're still here. Verse 7. For we walk by faith. Come on, say this the next part with me. Not by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. Your feelings tell you how you feel. Your faith tells you how to live. 
My feelings say I'm discouraged, I'm losing hope. My faith says that if God is for me, who can be against me? Feelings would say to me, I'm afraid, I'm confused. My faith would say that my God, his ways are higher than my ways and his thoughts than my thoughts. And if I'll trust in him and lean not on my own understanding, but in all my ways acknowledge him, he's going to direct my path. Strengthen your faith. Stay anchored in the Word of God. My faith is weak, then get into the Word. My hope is slipping, then get into the Word. Why? Because Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the Word about Christ. When you're anchored to the Word of God, it will stabilize you in the most uncertain of times. Number two, don't miss all of the miracles God is doing while waiting on the one he hasn't done yet. God's at work in all kinds of ways right now in your life. If we had time, I would take you to Exodus chapter 16 and 17. I wish that we could just to look at the story of the Israelites. God brought them out of Egypt. Someone, even if you're newer to church uh, and you don't know a lot of Bible stories, almost everybody knows the story of the parting of the Red Sea. And God delivered them from Egypt miraculously leads them out, and then they start complaining, where's God? How come God isn't helping us? We're hungry. At least in, in Egypt, we had food. And so God supernaturally provides manna from heaven. They didn't even have to cook it. Just wake up in the morning, there's like a, a Holy Ghost Pop-Tart, like right there just waiting for them every single morning. Or even better, let's call it a, let's call it a, uh, a divine Krispy Kreme, no, no calories, just, just waking up. There it is. They were eating manna from heaven. They started grumbling and complaining. Where's God? We don't even have anything to drink, at least in Egypt. We had something to drink. So God speaks to Moses. Moses strikes the, wa- the rock. Water comes out of a rock. Water coming out of a rock. And they all drink of this supernatural provision. And they start complaining, saying, where's God? Where's God? We're tired of these donuts. We're tired of that. Just Egypt, we had meat. Remember we had meat in Egypt? Man, I, we're going to die out here. We just need something. And I'm looking at it, and he goes, you people, I, I just, I, I read that sermon like, y'all tripping. Like, y'all are messed up. Supernaturally provision. Just God just like providing. And you're grumbling and complaining about where's God? Why didn't God? And then you know what happens, church? Then I look in the mirror, and I'm like, That is so me. God's doing all of these things, helping me in all of these ways, and yet I can become fixated on why isn't God doing this? And if we're not careful, we can allow the enemy's lie to us that because God hasn't done this one thing, God hasn't done anything. But the devil is a liar, makes for a lousy life coach, so don't listen to him. Build your faith according to God's Word. Take your eyes off of the difficult things. Put them on the one whose grace is sufficient and begin to celebrate the ways God has helped you, the way God is providing. Let me ask you this. Is your heart still beating? 
Did you wake up this morning to the sunrise? Do you have food that you're able to eat? Do you have a church family that loves you? Do you have a roof over your head? Do you have the hope of heaven in your heart? How many of you are thankful for all the ways that God is helping you? God is taking care of you. He is watching over you. Don't lose sight of what he is doing while you're waiting on the parts that don't make sense. Third and finally, number three. Keep praying and keep praising while he's working. But I still don't understand or I still feel or I'm still walking through. Keep praying and keep praising while he's working. Because you got to know today, church, he is at work in your situation. But I see a breakdown between what I'm singing and what I'm seeing. He is working in ways you don't even understand. He's a good, good father. You can trust him. He is doing miracles all around you. He's at work on your behalf. Listen to Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know, somebody say, I know it. And we know that in all things, somebody say, all things. God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. I want you to know I'm not guessing, I'm not hoping, I'm not wishing. I'm telling you I know that I know that I know. God is at work not in some things, not in a lot of things, not in most things, but in all things, even in your situation, even with what you're walking to. That thing, that thing right now, that feels like it's crushing you. That thing right now that's keeping you awake, that thing that has you battling and struggling, begging, pleading, I want you to know God is at work. He hasn't forgotten about you. He sees you. He's teaching you. Oh, I know you just want me to lift that off of you, but I want you to know that as you walk through it, I'm with you, and my grace is sufficient. That's what you really need is to learn how close I am to you, how strong I can be in you. My power can be at work. I was talking to my, one of my sweet baby girls the other day, teenager, going through a hard time, wrestling with her faith struggling with significant physical issues and saying, why won't God answer? And she's telling me all the answers I give her. She's like, I know this and I know that and I know this. I just, I'm begging God to take it away and, and he won't. And I started talking to her about how God's grace is sufficient. She's like, I get that, Dad, but what does that even mean? His grace is sufficient. How many of you, you've asked that before too? So when we hear churches, grace is sufficient. You're like, thank you very much. What does that even mean? And I told her, I said, sweetheart, sometimes his grace being sufficient means when you wake up, he gave you the strength to get out of bed. Just get out of bed. Ah, oh, that's his grace being sufficient. Sometimes it looks like putting one foot in front of that foot. And then taking that foot and putting it in front of that foot. That foot in front of that foot. And while the devil's saying, give up, lose hope, 
you'll always be addicted. You'll always be alone. You'll always be full of fear. You'll always battle anxiety. What you find is His grace is sufficient when you're able to stand and say, the devil is a liar. If God is for me, who can be against me? Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. There may be pain here in the night, but joy comes in the morning. How many of you know His grace really is sufficient? Trust Him. Keep praying and keep praising while he's working. Keep going. Don't give up and don't lose hope. I want you to know today, friends, no matter what you're going through, he's with you, he sees you, and he is close. He can help you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to pray for you today. I just wonder by a show of hands, how many of you lift your hand and say, Scotty, I just need his grace to be sufficient in my situation. Come on, just raise it up all over the room. Yeah, hands in every single section. Lord, I pray that you would be with them. I pray that you would help them. I pray that you would strengthen them. I pray that this word today would get into their spirits. And they would just know, Lord, that you're carrying them. They're not alone. And you're at work. And they will look back one day and realize that what you did was better than what they thought they wanted. Because you'll lead them to that place of fulfillment, freedom, hope, and satisfaction. Heads still bowed and eyes still closed. In just a moment, we're going to close the service. When we do, there will be people up front ready to pray for you. If you need prayer, why don't you just take that minute or two before you leave and come forward and allow them to agree with you in prayer for a miracle in your situation. For those of you who have yet to say yes to Jesus Christ, He's not the King of your heart and the Lord of your life. I want you to know He can save you today. He can give you a fresh start, a clean slate, and a new beginning. So I'm going to pray a final prayer right here. And if you just say, Scotty, I'm not right with God, but I want to be. I need to ask Him to be the Lord of my life. I want to spend eternity in heaven instead of hell. I want to leave today knowing I'm right with God. I don't care if you've never prayed before or if you've prayed a million times, but today you know you're away from God. This is your moment to come home. I'm going to pray this final prayer. And if you just say, Scotty, that's me. Include me in that prayer. I want to follow Jesus. I want to recommit my life to Christ or commit it for the first time. If that's you, come on, without hesitation, all over the room, just slip up your hand. Come on, raise it up before I pray. Raise it up. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody else, raise it up. Thank you. After you raise it up, you put it down. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Anybody else, come on, raise it up. I'm not right with God, but I want to be. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I see you. Awesome. I see you. I see you in the back. I see you. I see you. Thank you. Everybody who wants to pray this prayer, this is not my prayer, it's your prayer. I'm just praying with you. I want you to pray this as I lead you, mean it with all of your heart. Dear God, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Today I commit my life to you. I pray that you would forgive me of my sin and be the Lord of my life. Today is the day that I've decided to follow Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Why would you give the Lord some praise in this place today? Also, thank you, Pastor Scotty, for an encouraging word, for strengthening our faith. Church, his grace is sufficient for you. All across this room, would you stand as we...
are about to be dismissed. Prayer teams, you can begin to make your way forward today. And as Pastor Scotty said, if there's something in your life and you need to join your faith with someone else, if maybe you prayed that prayer and you just want to come forward and share that with someone, Scripture says you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Right now you believe in your heart. Come, meet up, meet up front with someone. Confess it with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. I'm telling you, it does something powerful. But maybe you just need to... You need your faith built in these next few moments. You may be the person saying, Lord, I, I need you to move now. And that may be the answer he gives. Or maybe it's, Lord, I need you to give me strength and make your grace real to me in this moment so that I can continue to walk through what I'm going through. And our team is here and available to serve you in prayer that way. So I'm just going to pray one more time over us, over our moment together, and then you're going to be dismissed today. Thank you for coming, for seeking the Lord together. Let's do that one more time before we dismiss. Jesus, we come. We remind ourselves that your grace is sufficient. Your power is made perfect in our weakness. So, God, we come humbly before you, not with a facade, not with a charade, thinking we're any better or any bigger than we really are. We come in humility saying we need your grace today. Make your power and your presence real to us. For some of us, as we come before you and make ourselves right through forgiveness, through the grace available in Jesus. And some of us, we don't need the saving grace. We need the, the empowering grace of God to give us strength to make it through what we're going through. Lord, I pray that you would do that in our life as we come forward, as we go about our day, as we go about our week, Lord. Would your grace become real and tangible to us? As we're dismissed, God, I ask that you would bless them and keep them, that you would make your face shine down upon them, that you would be gracious to them, that you would turn your countenance their direction today, and that you would give them peace through your grace and through your son Jesus. And it is in that name we say, amen. These altars are open. God bless.